0: Thank you. Thank you. You guys ready? Yes, this morning, uh, I want to, before I get into today's message, I want to uh, just make note of our first Wednesday that's taking place. We, we have one service on, one Wednesday night service a month, and it's the first Wednesday, and that happens to be this coming Wednesday. And so we want to invite you to come and be a part of that. We're doing, uh, on, along with that, we're doing Chili Dog's. And we're doing s'mores too, so uh, we'll have some we'll have some burn pits out there, and and so we'll do that after service. It'll be an enjoyable enjoyable time, and so come and be a part of that. Also, also growth track. If you want to get connected to our church, our growth track is the uh, best way to do that. One of the best ways to do that. And uh, it's our way of not only helping you to get uh, oriented with the church, but also uh, to get connected and also as a way where you can serve in in ministry in our church. And so uh, come and be a part of that. Uh, Next week is step one, and so uh, it'll be available for you after service, all right? Uh, Let's talk about exposing the enemy. This is our first week on this uh, series and, uh, and we've done this for the purpose of just doing that. And that's exposing the works of the enemy in our life. There's many people that don't realize that he's even active here on this earth. He's actively active. He's at work. He's on mission, if you will. You know, Christians ought to have a mission. And, and, and our mission ought to be the cause of Christ. And he, he's got a mission. The devil has a mission. And it's to kill, steal, and destroy. And uh, he's been around a long time. And a lot longer than any of us, all of us put together he's been long he's been around longer than that and uh, and so he's got some devices in his arsenal that he brings against us, and so we've been taking these weeks and taking his name and talking about the different hats that he wears and so i've had i I have some hats here that I've been bringing out, not uh, for any particular reason, just to show you that there's different hats that he he has on. Yeah. I wear different hats uh, throughout the day and throughout the week. Uh, I, you know, I wear the hat. I'm wearing the hat of pastor right now, and and as a pastor, there's things that I do. And, and, and when I go home, I wear the hat of husband, yeah. and, uh, and 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 I, I wear the hat of of you know just everything that goes with husband. And I also wear the hat of Poppy, yeah. uh, my grandchildren. If you haven't seen those precious uh, little folks running around. They're they're my grandchildren and, and so I wear that hat and then I'm dad and I'm father in law. So there's different hats and, and and so with each name there comes different responsibilities, different actions, different things that take place. And so we've been taking the names of the devil and talking about how he attacks our life Amen. and how he comes against us. And so what we wanna do is we wanna we wanna finish up not I've not taken every name that the devil's named, but I've taken five different names and we've talked about them. And so the first week we took the name Lucifer and talked about how the very thing that caused him to be kicked out of heaven is the very thing that he attacks our life with and he uses in our life to rebel against God. And that's pride and selfishness. And if he can get us there, then he's got us where he wants us, and he can attack our lives. And let me tell you, every one of us fight with both of those things every day. We have to be proactive. We have to work against uh, being prideful and selfish in our life. Didn't you come to church to hear that? It's like, yeah, you're prideful, you're selfish, yeah. (laughs) You're right, and i I got to make sure that I'm not being that, and so I'm aware that the devil wants to entrap me and snare me, if you will, and, and, and take over my life if he can, and he'll do that, and so we got to be very, very mindful of that, and that's why we're exposing the enemy. Second week, we talked about the name Satan and what it means, and it means adversary, and adversary is this. It means that he is an enemy of God, And enemy of everything that God loves and God's all about. And so he just attacks in a variety of different ways. He'll attack you and uh, just head on with sickness and disease and with uh, tragedy and uh, crisis and all kinds of stuff. And so he's our our adversary. He's not our friend. He's not an advocate. We need to see him as an adversary and, and stand against him. And then the third week, we talked about the name De- devil, and it means accuser, and he's an accuser of the brethren, and, and so he's out to destroy uh, relationships. He loves to destroy relationships. And we talked about how that looks and, and that he's out to destroy uh, specifically uh, four redemptive relationships. And we talked about those redemptive relationships. I don't have time to get into it today, but relationships that God instilled. And, and God has, uh, if they're healthy in our life, they're going to produce lots and lots of good stuff in our life. And then last week we talked about the word serpent. And the word serpent means deceiver and that he's out to deceive and And we, we really disclosed how that looks and so it brings me to today, and we're going to be talking about exposing exposing the roaring lion. And the Bible says that uh, that the devil uh, walks about seeking whom he may devour, like a roaring lion. And we'll read that in just a moment. But before we do that, let me, let me take you to a, a few passages of Scripture. I've got a lot of Scripture I'm going to try to go through today in, in the short amount of time that we have. And so Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11 says this. It says, And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And so we know that the devil is a ruler of darkness, and so what are we to do? We're to expose him. And that's what we're working on today, is exposing his, his, uh, his works here on this earth. And then 2 Corinthians 2.11 says this, it says, Let Satan take advantage of us, for we are ignorant of his devices. How does the, how does the devil come and take advantage of people? Ignorance. Now, the ignorance does not mean stupidity ignorance means uninformed you're just uninformed and, and by the way we're all ignorant in areas of our life we're definitely ignorant of the word of God that's why we're here we're growing in God's word we need to understand God's word so we're growing in that and the Bible says the Bible says my people perish for a lack of knowledge and so we've got to gain knowledge so that we don't we don't get entrapped by, by the enemy and allow him to take advantage of our lives. And then Ephesians 4.27 says this, don't give place to the devil. Don't give him any place in our life. And so we need to stop him in his tracks and say enough's enough. Some of you, you, you you've tolerated him for a long time in your life, and it's time to say no, no more, you're cut off. No more are you going to have activity in my life. I'm putting a stop to what you're doing in my life. I'm aware of your devices. I'm aware of how you attack. You're not going to have any inroad into my life. I'm not going to open the door. So that brings me to today, exposing the roaring lion. Where did I get that from? First Peter chapter 5. Let's look at this together. You guys ready? I'm glad you are because I am ready to go. I'm, I'm, I, I believe that God's going to speak to us during this time. First uh, Peter chapter five, verse eight, There's so many truths in here. It's like, oh my gosh, I could pull out so much from just these two verses that I'm going to read. And I honestly encourage you to go and study it out. I'm just going to take really a thought out. But there's so many things that can be pulled out of these two verses, verses 8 and 9. And so let's look at it. First of all, it says, be sober, be vigilant. We could look into those two things right there. Be sober. What's it mean to be sober? What's it mean to be vigilant? Why? Because your adversary, not advocate, your adversary, The devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now notice here, we could talk about, you know, what's it mean to be a roaring lion? But notice here it says that he walks about seeking whom he may devour. In other words, the word may means that he needs permission to get into our life. And so uh, we open the door, and there's ways that we open the door. And he's looking for some particular things. He's, around, he's, he's, he's walking about, and he's looking and examining our lives. And he's, he's, there's some certain things that he's looking at in our lives to see if there's an open door to see if he can come in and devour. And we can talk about the word devour means to eat up. He's eating up relationships, he's eating Amen. up our joys, he's eating up our vision, our dreams, he's eating up our health. He's eating up all kinds of stuff in our lives because we've opened the door to him and we need to shut it. Amen. Okay? Amen. And so he's seeking whom he may devour. The sad thing is, is that a statistic that Barner Research put out is that 60% of people do not even believe in the devil. And probably the 40% of the, those that do believe in the devil are ignorant to his devices. And so not aware that he's actively involved here on this earth trying to bring destruction or devour their life, to eat away, eat away, a little bit at a time. When you devour something, it's something that you eat away at just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And some of us have experienced that. Some of you are young. Thank God we have a lot of young people in our church. And maybe maybe you haven't experienced that, but for some of us more uh, mature people, a little older people, uh, we've had chance for the enemy to work longer in our life, and so there's been things that have been devoured in our life. And I see a lot of people that have no dreams in their life. Why? Because it's been eaten up. They have no motivation. Why? Why isn't there any motivation anymore to press forward and move forward? Because it's been eaten up. It's been devoured by the enemy just got no drive where's your drive at why why aren't you pursuing God with everything why isn't he the love of your life why because it's been devoured it's been eaten up by the enemy we've opened the door for him to come in can you see that and so so he walks around seeking whom he may devour and then verse 9 says resist him how steadfastly we could talk about the word resist Again, there's so much that we could talk about in these two passages. What does it mean to resist? We could talk about steadfast in faith and, and knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by our brotherhood in the world. So there's many things that we could talk about, but here's what I want to say. And if you're taking notes and following along with notes, and by the way, if you are a note taker and you want to... Uh, hold on to your notes. We have some uh, little notebooks out there at the Welcome Center that are there for you to keep your notes. They're free of charge. There's no cost to them, okay? All right, so notice here, I want you to see that he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I make a statement. I want to give it to you if you're following along in the notes. The roaring lion is an opportunist, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for opportunity. That's what he's looking for. He's an opportunist, and when he can, he's going to seize that opportunity in our life. And if he can, he will. Trust me. And by the way, he's no respecter of persons. He will come into our life, and he will cause destruction in our life. And many of you have heard the story of Jesus when he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. We're going to read that in just a moment. But at the end and the conclusion of that uh, temptation where the devil tempted him, you remember that that whole story? At the conclusion of it, after that temptation had had ended, I want you to see one statement, and then I'm going to break down that temptation for us today. And it's found in Luke chapter 4, verse 13. Look at this. It says, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Until an opportune time. See, he might not be have inroad into your life right now, but let me let me let me tell you, every one of us are one decision away from stupid. Amen. He's looking, he's seeking whom he, he may devour. That's why we have to have a relationship with jesus every day that's why we have to walk with him that doesn't mean that you're not going to fall and you're not going to falter and that doesn't mean that you're going to not going to mess up but because you have a relationship you're quick to correct it and you get back on course you stand up and you get up right away you don't stay down you don't stay in that mess you don't stay in that piece of stupid you keep on going and walking with him every day is that making sense but he's an opportunist He's seeking whom he may devour. And I'm going to tell you, the more I work with people, the more I see that we need our minds renewed to the word of God. There are so many goofy thinkings out there. Out there. Amen. <laughs> we all have some goofy thinking. That we got to be renewed by God's word and, and get in alignment with God so that the enemy has no opportunity to come into our life. This 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 is this is something that can radically uh, affect our life. Amen. We we got to we got to understand that he's looking and he will come in. And so Second uh, Timothy chapter two verse twenty five. I told you I'm going to take you through a lot of scriptures as, as much as I can today. It says and gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape. From the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. And honestly, that's where the devil wants. He wants us to be entrapped by him doing what he wants rather than doing what God wants. Again, he's our adversary. He's not our advocate. He's our adversary opposing anything and everything that is uh, against God. So with that being said. How do we how do how does a how do the how does a roaring lion devour our life? How can we know that's taking place? What's he looking for? What is it that he's walking about looking for in our life? What, what what opportunity is he looking for in our life? I'm glad that you guys asked that. Because I want to answer it. Let's go back to Luke chapter two. Let's start breaking down the temptations that came into Jesus. I saw something, I, I've been reading this, and I didn't see it until this morning. And I've read this, I've read through my, through the Word of God many, many times, many times over. And, and I saw it this, th- this morning for the very first time. I don't know if that happens to you, but it's like, oh my gosh, how many times have I read this and I hadn't seen this? And for you it may not be a, uh, any big deal, but for me it was something this morning. And I think there's something to this. But, but I haven't, I, I'm not going to, I'm just going to re- reference it right now, okay? So Luke chapter 4, verse 1 uh, through 4, it says, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Now here's what I hadn't seen that I have read, that the whole 40 days he was being tempted by the devil, but what's what's laid out here is only a few temptations, and in in our mind's eye, we probably only think that this is the only time that devil tempted Jesus. Uh, are these three areas? But according to this, he was being tempted for forty days in a variety of different areas in different ways in their life. Forty days and that was jesus yeah why because he 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 was he had he put on flesh just like we did he was all god but he was all man and so he was tempted on our behalf for 40 days so let's go on and let's read because that's not the focal point today it says he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry, and the devil said to him. So after those 40 days is when this is recorded. These temptations are recorded. okay?" And it goes on to say, If you are the Son of God, and the devil said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word of God. And so, notice here, the first temptation that I believe that he's looking for an opportunity to come in and and impact our life in is the temptation, and what he's looking for is our cravings. What are we craving? Now, notice Jesus' response. He says, my greatest craving is... My greatest craving is the word of God that is coming out of God's mouth. That's what I crave. But I'm going to tell you what he appealed to, the devil appealed to, his physical, fleshly cravings. And so he's walking about looking for our cravings. What do I mean by cravings? Our desires. Or one one portion of scripture says the lusts of the flesh. The lust, you know, many times when I use that word, I use the word cravings because any time I use the word lust, many times people excuse it and they think of sexual lust, one, or they don't think that it applies to them. But lust is simply a desire, a strong desire in our life. That's all it is. Or we could put it this way, it's a craving in our life. I lust after the Word of God. I have a strong desire, passion for the Word of God. I I want the Word of God. That's my craving. But unfortunately, for a lot of people, there's a lot of different cravings that are taking place in in their life, and as a result, the enemy can see it, and he sees what we're craving and what we're going after and what we're pursuing in our life, and and, and as a result, he sees that as an open door because if, if we are not pursuing God, then we're pursuing that that opposes God in opposition of God. And he sees that and he comes in. Now, li- listen, he's not God's not opposed to habits or, or hobbies, excuse me, or even habits. He's not opposed to habits. He's just opposed to hobbies and habits that are 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 contrary to the ones that are healthy and good for God. You know, you can have a habit that's that's Uh, a good habit. I have some great habits. Every day I get up, I habitually get up and and seek God at the same time. Every day, every day, every day, I have an appointment with God. It's good habits. But also, there's some unhealthy habits in in all of our lives that we're probably working on that we need to get rid of so that we can shut the door. And there's probably some hobbies this afternoon. Our small group, we're going to go and we're going to do some bowling this afternoon. That's a hobby. That's awesome. And so it's, it's a good... It's, and you know what? It's, it's God-centered. It's around. It's centered around God. We do this and we enjoy our time, but at the same time, we know what the focus is. The focus is the people that we're with. God, if there's something that needs to be done, we want to be available to be used by you to work in their lives. And, and so there's there's different things. So understand... Understand that uh, that uh, your cravings, there's some whatever they are. You've got to watch them. You got to watch because the enemy's wa- the enemy's watching for it. He's looking for it in our life. Here in First Timothy chapter six, verse nine, out of the Amplified, it says, "But those who crave to be rich fall into temptation." and a snare, and into many foolish, useless, godless, and hurtful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction, leading to personal misery. Now, is God opposed to riches? Not even. God's not opposed to riches. He's not opposed to us having riches, but he is opposed to riches having us. And he wants to make sure that it's done his way. If if it's done in in wisdom and it's by his leading and it's for his glory and not for our our glory, then he's not opposed to it. But when we start pursuing riches with the wrong motive, wrong heart, and it becomes a, a craving that we crave riches above craving God, when it becomes a pursuit above pursuing God, then the devil sees that. He's looking for those things in our life. Mark chapter 4, verse 19, again, out of the Amplified. Then the cares and the anxieties of the world and the uh, distractions of the age and the pleasure. And by the way, pleasures. There's a lot of people that crave pleasure. Does that mean that God doesn't want us to have pleasure? He doesn't. He's not opposed to that. But when our our pleasure-seeking uh, takes pleasure, uh, uh, precedence above God seeking then it becomes wrong so it says our our, uh, 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 where am I pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the craving and passionate desire of other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless wow so many things that I could share and you know that was the, that was the thing with uh, that was the thing with Eve in the very beginning she craved something Above craving God's will. She craved something. And she put, she put herself. She put selfishness. She put all of that above, above God's will in her life. And as a result, it ushered in the enemy to come in and cause destruction. To devour her. Are you with me thus far? Amen. And so it happens, it happens, it happens. A couple more scriptures. I, I need to, sh- I need to plow, plow through. James chapter 1 verse 13 through 15. It says, when a person is tempted, they, should, they shouldn't say, God is tempting me. God can't be tempted by evil, and he doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted by their own evil, what? Desires. Or we could say it, cravings. Yeah. These desires lead them on and drag them away. When these desires are allowed to remain, they will lead to sin. And when sin is allowed to remain and grow, it leads to death. It begins to devour and it kills things in our life. Uh, That where it says in verse 14, but each person is tempted by their own desires. I want to read that in another translation. It says everyone is tempted by their own cravings and they are lured away and enticed by them. And so what is the devil doing? He's looking. And I work with people all the time. And one of the indicators that I see when I'm, I, I read people extremely well because I've been around for a lot of years and I know the word of God and the word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of, of people's heart. It, it will discern even the, the difference between what is flesh and what is, what is spirit, what is soul and what is spirit. And so the Word of God defines things. And so I'll read people, and I can, I can tell what a person's craving is. If they crave God, if they crave the Word, if they crave what God wants above, above anything else in the earth. Again, God's not opposed to us having things, but those cannot be our greatest desire our greatest passion in our life. God must be. Yes. Amen. And the devil's looking, and if he can see... Our cravings for these other things being stronger than our cravings for God, he can walk in and he can have his way. Because we're giving him permission. We're opening the door. Is that good? Secondly, in Luke chapter 4, verse uh, 5 through 8, it says, Then the devil, taking him to a high mountain, showed him all kinds of of the... uh, uh, Excuse me, showing him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you, and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I I give it to whoever, whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now notice here, Jesus... One of the things that uh, indicates whether we are uh, where we need to be or not need to be is our commitments. Our commitments. Let's go on. And He watches for our commitments. He's looking for our commitments. What are we committed to? Notice Jesus says, I'm going to worship the Lord and I'm going to serve him only. It's not about me. It's not about what I can gain or can have or cannot have or don't have or, or will have it's it's about serving god your commitments my commitments will determine uh our pursuits in our life i I, the lord gave me a dream years ago and i'm not going to go into all the dream but he gave me a phrase and he in in this phrase uh it it was just profound it was just profound it was the lord i I think probably the only time that i could say that this dream was uh, a god dream you ever had dreams and you're thinking, "Is it God? Is it not God? Let me tell you, if it's God, you'll just have it, you'll have a knowing in your knower that it was God. Okay? Don't need to question it. don't sit and make any big deal out of it. And I've had a lot of God I mean some where I've experienced the presence of God in my dreams and stuff, and I wake up, was this you or not, Lord?" And I know it's not. I just know. God, He's a revealer. He, he's, a, he's a God of light. He'll not keep you in darkness. So if it's God, you'll know it's God. Okay. And this was one of those times. And at the close of this dream, there was a phrase that I said and as I was preaching and I was speaking. This, this phrase I said, Greatness only grows in the soil of great commitment. Greatness only grows in the soil of great commitment. If you want great marriage, you're going to have to have great commitment. If you want great ministry, you're going to have to have great commitment. Great churches are only built because of a great commitment of the people. That's just a fact. And so greatness only grows in the soil of great commitment. And let me tell you something. The enemy is looking for our greatest commitments. Because he wants to stop the greatness from happening in our life. Every one of us were created for the purpose of greatness. The Bible says in Psalm seventy-one twenty-one, I believe it is, that he will increase our greatness. In order for something to be increased in our lives, then it had to have been there in the first place. Greatness is in us, and he's looking to increase us in that greatness. And what the devil wants to do is he wants to stop that greatness from taking place in our life. Our commitments determine, actually our commitments will reveal our values, what we value What you are committed to is what you're valuing in your life. One of the the reasons that I'm here every week and I do what I do every week is because I value God and I value you. I value who you are. I value your potential. I value your relationship with the Lord. And, And the enemy would love to come in and distract me. I remember when I first got saved, well, before getting saved, you know, of course, when before you get saved, your, your, your life's pretty much a mess for the most. And some people say, ah, it wasn't that big of a mess. Well, let me tell you something. Any life without Jesus is a mess. I, I guarantee you, if you truly go evaluate it, there's some areas in your life that, that need some adjusting and changing. And before I got saved, I was a, a, a bad alcoholic. I was doing drugs. Just, dude, my life was a mess. My marriage was a mess. Just things not going well. And I I had a commitment. I had a commitment to be on uh, the golf course as often as possible. And that was part of my escape. Alcohol was my escape. And uh, I was numbing the pain that was inside of me. And so I was was on the golf course, and and I was there every Sunday religiously. That was my church. That and a couple of cases of beer. Seriously. And so about 7 o'clock in the morning... I was there, ready to go. And so that's how I lived. And, and then during the week, I, was at least if I could get out, I'd go play a round or two during the week. And that's what I did. But I'm going to tell you, all of that changed. When I got born again and I fell in love with Jesus, when I, I came into a, a relationship with the, the lover of all lovers, the God of all gods, the King of all kings, the Father of all fathers, when I fell in love with him, all of that changed. I, I set those things aside, not because I felt like I had to, because I, my pursuit, my commitments adjusted and changed. There's no such thing as being uncommitted people. Every person is committed to something. You, must be, you, you may be committed to watching TV. You may be committed to sitting around and doing nothing, but you're a committed individual. Everybody is committed. And one of the things that I did is I changed my commitment. No longer was I going to spend all of my energy and my time on a golf course that makes no difference whatsoever. Nobody. I don't even remember a game that I've shot way back then. You know what? I don't remember anything from that time. Well, probably because I was half drunk all the time. But anyway, I I don't remember anything. Nor does it matter. But I can tell you what I do remember. I remember my intimast, intimate times with God. I remember the, 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 the times where God has used me to make an impact in people's lives. And let me tell you, my commitments changed. I dropped those. I dropped that hobby like a, a hot potato. And not because I had to. It's just that my commitments were different. And I say all that to say this, is that the devil's looking for our commitments. He's looking to see what we value. What is it that we're pursuing? What are we committed to in our life? Is it truly God? Is it truly what God wants? Is it truly what it is that God has for us? How do I get this across? I plead with you. Put God first. I plead with you to let God be God in your life, in every area. This word, the word of God, all of it, all of it is for us. Every bit of this is for us. It's written for us. It's, it's so that it, it can be applied to our life. And, and we, we, we need the word of God. Not because we have to. Please don't approach God because you have to. God doesn't want you coming to him because you have to. He wants you to come to him with a, 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 a willing heart. If we'll be willing and obedient, then you'll eat the best of the land. And so when we come to him, then we're able to receive of his goodness. (laughs) Jesus, help me. I, I really feel like God wants a message to get across. And maybe Holy Spirit, help me. There's no other life outside living for Jesus. Jesus, we're holding on to stuff. We're holding on to ways. We're holding on to habits. We're holding on to different things that that mean nothing, that that aren't going to produce anything. Make him the pursuit of your life. Get committed to him. I know we're all committed. We're all committed to something. I I mean, I have no problem saying, hey, come, readjust your commitment for the cause of Christ. I know you're committed. I know you're busy. We're all busy. We're all committed. Maybe committed to whatever, but we're all committed. Isn't that true? And so the enemy is looking for our commitments so that he can see whether he can attack our life or not. All right, I need to move on. First John chapter five, verse 18, it says, no one who has become part of God's family makes a practice or a commitment of sinning for Christ. God's son holds him uh, securely, and the devil cannot get his hands on him. James four seventeen says, and so uh, any person who knows what is right, and to him, excuse me, knows what is right to do, but does not do it. To him, it is sin. And, and I say that because practicing sin is a commitment that we've made in our life. We've got to readjust our commitments. He's looking for our commitments to see if he can devour us. All right? You with me? Amen. One last thought. Okay, just quickly, as quickly as I can. In Luke chapter 4, verse 9 through 12, then he brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God... He, he tried to get him to question his character. He looks for our character. The devil is looking at our character. How, how are we going to, how are we, who are we? You know, there's just, I can, I can sit there and I can read a person. I, I met with somebody just recently, and it's just like, I was with them for a little bit. Just a very little bit of time. And I said, listen, you You're depressed. I can tell. You fight depression, right? Yes. I said, and I listed a lot of things. And then I said, you know what the problem is? is that you're selfish. And I said, you need, you need to start giving your life away. I didn't do it in a condemning way, mind you, okay? I'm trying to help this individual. I said, you've got to, I said, depression will leave you. I said, uh, I said, uh, your marriage—they're split up. I said, your marriage—I said—it it definitely will help it, whether that person decides to come back or not. I said, but you—you've got to start giving your life away. You've made life about you, and and, and really, honestly, I'm, I'm just reading his character. And life cannot be about us. The most miserable people on the face of this earth. Are people that are selfish. The most joyous people. Are the people that are generous. If you can give your life away. Then you'll find it. If you hold on to it. You'll lose it. Amen. Gosh. Proverbs 14.27. It says this. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. To turn one away from the snares of death. Notice the fear of the Lord. Those that have. A, a, a character about them. A, a, they're God-honoring, God-fearing, God-glorifying. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you.